ask and you will receive. To ask to receive that love. Open your hearts to Christ. Do not be afraid. He loves you so very much and he wants to shower you with every blessing. everybody and welcome to another episode of Ignite Radio Live. Very, very blessed that you are with us tonight. Greg and Stephanie Schleter broadcasting over the four mighty stations of Annunciation Radio. And blessed to have a very dear brother in Christ with us, Pastor Bo. With the great radio voice, we select people based upon their radio voice. So last night, we were up quite late. Uh, These are historic moments, folks. And uh, you may have heard or feel that homeschoolers are in a bubble uh, or hiding their heads in the sand. And I'm not going to say whether that's true or not for others. But we really, we want our kids to be formed. We want to be formed for Jesus Christ. We want to be alive and formed in their faith and the truth of their nature so that they can engage the real world for Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ himself is our analogy. He is the best marketer. Uh, Though he was in the form of God, he did not deem equality with God something to be grasped at. He took on flesh and blood. He entered a culture. Folks, we're called to do the same. We're called to be alive in Christ in church. In the family, we use the word in home, ecclesia domestica, a domestic church. And our parishes are meant to be places where we come alive and discover identity in Christ. You are what you eat, right? We partake of the Eucharist to offset partaking of the fruit. And we're going to talk a little bit about that tonight. Um, but, Lord, uh, folks, we've got we've to engage the world appropriately, and it's a, it's, it's a dance, right? We can get too immersed if we're watching too much TV. In fact, my wife and I speak often about the fact that once in a while we'll flip on the TV just long enough to realize why we don't flip it on very often. Um, but we've got to know some of the things that are going on. What are people thinking? Or we can't reach them. We, we, we can't analogously know their culture. We can't understand their language. We've got to have an appropriate understanding of that. So... Um, last night, the first caucus in this presidential cycle, which should tell us a lot about where people are at, should give us a nice portrait of what is going on in this American culture. Um, a lot of things going on. I mean, I found it quite stunning. We let everybody really stay up because we've been reading the Wall Street Journal and talking about it and what are the key issues. And um, I know it can feel kind of ugly. It can feel kind of heavy for a lot of folks. It's easier to shut it down. But I want to encourage you folks to, uh, to prayerfully engage And maybe that's simply the person in the cubicle next to you at work in an appropriate time, an appropriate place. Maybe it's just a a conversation at your supper table where you're talking about some key issues. All these things are very important. In fact, the catechism instructs us to appropriately enter into the world and uh, be engaged in politics. You know, it's interesting. I remember hearing Father Ricardo uh, say one time that the topics that everyone says to stay away from are religion and politics, and yet he says that's where it's all about in conversion and evangelizing and conversation, and those are way more important than just talking about the upcoming Super Bowl or whatever game is on, and yet we're so afraid to enter into uh, what might be perceived as judgmental or confrontational or, you know, all these negative things when if we approach it as Christian people, 
that that's the place mm. where Christ meets us mm. with each other in community, in conversation, in growing, in stretching, in in seeking the truth. There's a scripture passage that's just hitting me now. Didn't plan on this. Maybe Pastor Bull will throw it out there. But Jesus says, I've come to set this world on fire and how I wish it were already ablaze. Something to that effect. And of course, St. Catherine of Siena said, uh, become who God made you to be, and you'll set the world on fire. That's what we're talking about tonight, folks. You've heard the phrase, he's on fire, she's on fire. Wow, that parish, that church, that's on fire. We've heard that phrase. Tonight, we're going to dive a little deeper in what does that mean? Is it just a personality attribute of that quote-unquote extroverted, charismatic type of person? Or is it just a feeling or an emotion? Is it just a high? Is it a rush? Uh both of which, of course, if it's just those things, um, we're hanging it on the wrong hook and we're not understanding it. But we're going to go deeper because we are called to be on fire for Christ. Not to just muster up an external personality or to act a certain way or to be fake. What does it mean to be on fire for Jesus Christ? What does it mean to be baptized, as it says many times in Scripture, not just in the wa- by water, but in the Holy Spirit? How do we understand this? And we're blessed to have Pastor Bo with us to discuss this. Uh, before we get there, we're just going to open now in prayer. We're going to go through some events coming up here, and we're going to dive right in, but we're so glad to have you guys with us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Lord Jesus, wherever we're at right now listening, We are incomplete. We're broken. We're sinners, without which we wouldn't need you as a Savior. So right out of the gates, Lord, give us an awareness that you you made us for yourself. And whatever difficulty or circumstance or challenge we have is an opportunity to surrender all the more to your grace, to surrender all the more to your transforming presence. We need it. We call upon it, God. We, We ask, Lord, that you claim our minds Claim our affections, the things that we desire, Lord. Claim our habits. Lord, claim our sin. Claim our memories, Jesus, those things that uh, haunt us, perhaps. Claim the celebration. It's all yours, Lord. We, we surrender it to you. You are Lord. You fashioned us for yourself. And we all the more want to discover it and discover the great adventure of life in your spirit, of more fully living the life that you called us to live by virtue of our nature in you. We ask all of this in your holy name, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So our upcoming events that we'd like to pass along to you, there's an Ignite at St. Joan of Arc here in Toledo this coming Thursday. Uh, February 4th, which begins at 6.30. Note the new start time. It's a half hour earlier. So St. Joan of Arc Ignite this Thursday. Um, We also invite you this Saturday to St. Joseph's Sylvania, a Lenten journey for life. Seek the face of Christ. You can get more information on their website, but it is a free event. Greg and I have the uh, blessing of being part of the day as keynote speakers, and they'll have a panel discussion, and I believe two of the other speakers uh, will be someone from a pregnancy aid center and also um, a talk on human trafficking. So it's supposed to be, we know, a very powerful prayer-filled day. 
February 27th, we invite you to join a growing number of men in this area who are going to participate in the Columbus Catholic Men's Conference. The Columbus Catholic Men's Conference, February 27th. It's from 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. We'll probably be caravanning down. Uh, the speakers are our good friend, Father Larry Richards, Hector Molina, and David Karam, who I believe is the CEO of some big company. <laughs> <laughs> I forget, but these are some very dynamic, alive men, and it'll be a wonderful day. Please join us. How do you find out more? Just email me. I'm going to give you my email. You could find all this at massimpact.us. Simply put a Greg in front of that. Greg at massimpact.us. You're interested in going, you know, shoot me a note. Uh, also, in March, Palm Sunday weekend, this is something my dad has done. Uh, very blessed to be uh, formed by my parents, of course, and my five brothers and sister in the faith. And my my dad is in, very instrumental in St. Gabriel's Radio down there and the Columbus Men's Conference. And um, every Palm Sunday, he has done this silent men's retreat by this. They have a Catholic Men's Retreat League or something like that. And it's Palm Sunday, March 18th through the 20th, down in Columbus also. Uh, this past year, a number of us also participated in the men's retreat. Palm Sunday weekend, March 18th to the 20. If you're interested in joining us again, March, um, sorry, Greg at massimpact.us. And we've been talking about Catholic Youth Summer Camp. We, you've heard the commercials. You've heard our endorsements. We've had Dan Demite on our show before. But we really encourage you, as these months fly by, summer will be here, believe it or not, very, very quickly. And if you have a middle schooler, junior high, high schooler, we encourage you so deeply to check out this awesome, awesome, awesome opportunity for young people to have a high adventure experience, both uh, in activity, but also high adventure in faith. It's an awesome, very solid, very formative opportunity for young people to gather together with an awesome staff and uh, counselors to just really grow in their faith together. So check it out at CYSC uh, dot is it .com or .org? CYSC.com. <laughs> Sorry about that. CYSC.com. And uh, Toledo, our diocese, is partnering with them along with Mass Impact. And we have two specific weekends to choose from. For the high schoolers, um, the dates are July 3rd through the 8th. It's Session D, where we're really trying to rally the Toledo area kids to sign up so that we can come back and have an impact in this area and to grow together in community here. And then the middle school, which would be those entering sixth grade, so six entering sixth grade, seventh grade, or eighth grade, um, to sign up for Session F, which is July 17th through the 22nd. And a very awesome blessing is that our own Bishop Thomas, whom we love and just pray for and support so much, he will do preside at the closing Mass uh, for the middle school Session F, July 17th through the 22nd. For more information, Mass Impact, Greg at MassImpact.us. And talk to your pastor. Get your yeah, pastor absolutely. on board your youth minister, your, you know, whatever you can do to make this come alive in your parish. Father you Jeff McBeth at, regret uh, it. right. Sorry for interrupting you, Steph. Uh, Father Jeff McBeth is, uh, is going to be bringing his crew and he's going to be at these, uh, the sessions. And that's another cool thing is priests and even seminarians mix it up. They're in the midst and, and beautiful, uh, devout religious sisters are there. It is an awesome experience of, of becoming a disciple of Christ, um, in the fullness of our faith. Um, finally, 
Um, very blessed that this booklet, this little article that I wrote a while ago called Evicting the Enemy at the Gates, Porn in Church, has been published by Catholic 365 last week. It was featured in the Catholic largest Catholic website in the world, um, Catholic Exchange. It was uh, one of their top articles. Um, they published it. Very blessed that 13, 1,400 people shared it, which is sort of the gold standard of the social media world, not just liking but sharing this article. So I'm glad that this is blessing people to challenge them uh, to recognize, um, we had Pastor Bo here in two different episodes talking about the affliction of porn in church and what it does. This is a key thing, folks. It is a key thing. As Pastor Bo said, if we don't get this right, we're, we're going to miss a whole lot of other things. We're going to miss the grace that God wants us to have. So the cool thing is, um, this is being turned into a booklet, and we've received recommendations of folks who've read this. Father Larry Richards, Father John Ricardo, Bishop Thomas Olmstead, Bishop Burns, Al Cresta, Peter Herbeck, Tom Peterson, who's from Catholic Come Home, Justin Fatika. A lot of these folks are really encouraging folks to read this. So um, pray for that. And uh, I'm also going to say, as we're looking for resources to help fund the publication of this booklet, if you know somebody who can donate publication uh, or any of the things associated with that, give us a holler. This will be a great thing for people to hand out in parishes, families, friends, etc., etc. Greg at MassImpact.us. With no further ado, very blessed to have you, Pastor Bo. Thank you for our whole intro here. But uh, share with us, Pastor Bo, just before we dive into this, what it means to be alive in the Holy Spirit. What it means to be on fire. Give us a little bit of the of your own personal journey in, in coming to encounter Jesus and to live for him. Well, for me, it's uh, honesty. And the first part, uh, to be on fire, is to understand where you're at in relationship to God. And so for me, it was at a Fellowship of Christian Athletes meeting on, uh, in April of 1981, and a person just recited a very simple verse, uh, Revelations 3.15. Mm-hmm. I, I desire for you to be hot or cold, but for, because you are lukewarm, I shall spill you out of my mouth. Mm-hmm. And I said to myself, I said to myself, uh, wow, I'm the lukewarm guy. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to be lukewarm. Right. I know what the truth is. I, I, I learned that in catechism. I learned what the truth was, but I wasn't living it. And so I had to come to a point of being honest and making sure that what I valued was reflected in the way I conducted myself. Mm. And so at that point, Jesus became a reality in my life where I couldn't just do what I just did without right. thinking about how he might have thought of it. And, uh, and then, of course, beginning, beginning a journey in the Bible and becoming a better verse in what Scripture had to say mm. to, to lead me in my way. So that was a, a point of honesty. I was 17 years old. And, uh, you know, I, I, I failed that walk some, at times, but thank God for God's grace. And thank there are you. some of you who are hearing my voice right now where you had a good beginning, but the middle may be a little ugly. <laughs> uh, some of you have had a bad be early and bad, you know, whatever. Um, mm. This is the good, great news. It's beyond good. <laughs> right. God is a God of second, third, and for some of us, 50 or 60 chances. Amen. Each day. Each day, right. <laughs> right. You know, and so let's not be Pollyannish. I'm going to try to speak in a very uh, simple way today in the sense that uh, I'm, gonna, I'm praying that if I can help you, uh, listener, dear listener, uh, but also help you express to others why Jesus is paramount in your life. Mm-hmm. So hopefully Excellent. today he'll become paramount if Bring he isn't. It. Bring it. And then 
as you as he becomes paramount in your mind, you will share that with others because that's what God has called us to do. In, in Matthew chapter twenty-eight, in Mark chapter sixteen, we were called to the nations to spread the gospel. And if you think about how the gospel was spread in the three hundred, you know, two hundred A.D., three hundreds, the fourth, fourth century, fifth century, it wasn't through uh, crusades and mass marketing. Mm. It was through faithful people, often very simple, holding on to their faith under great oppression and sharing their faith with neighbors, friends, family, colleagues, one by one. Mm. And the faith grew to the point where they had to label it Catholic. Mm. <laughs> Universal. Right. Universal. Yes. Yeah. That was said out of frustration mm-hmm. of a Roman emperor who said, these people are everywhere. <laughs> Paul had actually infiltrated the Roman, the Roman court, you know, and this was even earlier. So that's how it was done. It was done, yes, by the giants, mm. but it was also done by us little people, too, mm. one, at, one person at a time. Amen. Well, if you will, lay it on us, share with us, uh, if you will, why should somebody believe in Jesus Christ? Who is this Jesus Christ, and why should I, why should I believe in him? And, and, you know, imagine, Pastor Bo, if you will, that uh, we just tuned in from whatever secular station that we were on, mm-hmm. and we have the lifestyle that we have and the concerns and preoccupations of the world. Connect with us. Speak it. Well, if you're probably 10 years old or higher, <laughs> maybe even younger, there are things that you regret, and you know that you've done something either in thought or certainly in action. And what happens as you get older, these things pile on, and they keep piling on. And you find yourself many, let's, let's, let's be honest, folks, let's look around, observe, how many, how many drugstores do we see mm-hmm. on the corner? How many things do we do in this society to cope with life? Why is that? Why are we so stressed out? You know, Toledo is a 20 to 25-minute commute city, yet we're stressed. We, we are acting like we live in Los Angeles, which is a two-hour commute mm-hmm. city. Yet we, we don't seem, I mean, we maybe have a little less stress than they do, but obviously we're showing signs of stress in the society. The divorce rate, we talk about pornography, the addiction rate. Now we have a new one that has come back because it was old, now it's new, heroin. Mm-hmm. I mean, it goes on and on and on. And so here we are trying to live life. And things keep piling on, the stress, the regrets, the guilty feelings. And then there's one thing that you can't always hide from, the shame. Mm-hmm. How do you get rid of this? You know, I'm going to share a word from, the, from Scripture. The Bible says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, mm-hmm. and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lonely in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Wow. Friends, uh, brothers and sisters, <laughs> life is hard. Let's be honest. Yes. And how do we cope? The mechanisms we're using to cope are not working. Have we not seen the rates of, and you fill in the blank, right. heart disease, all these things caused by stress on the medical side. Then we get the law enforcement side of stuff. And then we have the familial side of stuff, siblings not wanting to talk to each other, parents divorcing, all these things are happening to us in greater percentages. We need a savior. Mm. 
We need a savior. We need someone to give us a second chance or 50th or 100th, wherever you're at. We need someone to take over and take off this heavy burden that we carry. We can't avoid it. We can't drink our way out of it. We can't entertain our way out of it. Going up to Detroit or going to our local a casino is not is going to give you maybe one hour relief, but then you're going to see the bill, and then you're going to be back where you are before, right? With more. Or coming out of the fog of pornography, or after the movie you thought was going to make you happy, and the standard setters uh, who set the standard that create the anxiety that causes to pursue it, we never surface to say, well, those standard setters in Hollywood, what does their life look like, and do I want that? Uh, yeah, and you know, I don't want to go through all the disasters there. And you just read about it all the time. Mm-hmm. But it's not, it's not, you know, let's not even point fingers. Let's just say this. Can you function? How many of you really are functioning in a way that brings you peace and joy? You know, the, the Jewish Great Hebrew word question. is shalom. Mm-hmm. Do you have shalom? Shalom is just not this peace. It's peace through any circumstance. Do you have that? Bankruptcy, uh, divorce, whatever has happened in your life around you, can you mean you can have peace in the midst of that? You're speaking, and that's yes. that's that's you're pronouncing that, and that's great. And and so I, I say, I know I I'm at a point in my life continually, every day, mm-hmm. I desperately need Jesus. Why? Because life changes. You know, my my son is now 14. He's, you know, we, he has his own iPhone. Oh, Lord, help us. <laughs> um, he's, you know, he's out. I need Jesus. Otherwise, the worry grips me. Um, you know, he, he just goes on and on and on, no matter what the life circumstances. And then you hit your 50s and your 60s for our older listeners. Now you're starting to wonder, what, the, what was my life about? You're wondering, you're asking really great questions. But these are questions that could cause you great angst and regret. But with Jesus... With Jesus, these questions can be put in proper perspective. Are you afraid to die? Mm. Are you frightened about whatever? We need a Savior. We need someone who washed away our sins, someone who, can, who has forgiven us and then has brought us close to him and is not ashamed of us. He's washed away our shame as well. He took on the shame on the cross. Mm. But three days later, he rose again to conquer sin and shame and death. Sorry, I'm getting a little more theological there. That's good. But, you know, very simply, I wanted to say these in simple terms because you know what? That guy who you think has it all together, who's wearing that, I don't know, I don't know what those expensive suits are anymore, (laughs) $1,200, $1,500 suit, great shoes, Alan Edmonds shoes. But, you know, you have no idea how he's getting through life. He needs to hear from you. That lady at the grocery store, and she looks haggard. Why? Because the kids are going sideways, and the, the husband may be not talking to her. She may not even have a husband, so she's trying to do this by herself. Mm. She needs to hear from you, and that's you. Don't put it on anyone else. It's you. You're the person that God has put in the picture. You have to speak. The bishop is not there at that moment. The priest is not there. Your parish friends are not there. It is you. Are you going to give her a message of life, of hope? Mm. Amen. Uh, Pastor Bo, that, uh, I appreciate that. And I suspect that many of us have some form of religion or spirituality, whether it's in a church building or a little prayer here and there. We, we fashion ourselves as spiritual. Most of America does. Mm-hmm. And 
perhaps they're even more frustrated because um, they're not experiencing the power in their prayer. They're not experiencing the power uh, in these, at least in the Catholic Church, the ritual. They're doing the thing, and it's not bringing them the life, if you will. I'm not talking emotions. I'm not talking about necessarily good feelings. And a lot of there's there's an addiction there, right? There's something that's a little misguided there. But most of us are living in Laodicea. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Revelations three fourteen. Tell us a little bit about Laodicea and maybe how we today, who uh, have a combination of of living for the world and living for God, and how the mix of it causes us to maybe even be more beleaguered and more frustrated. And how do we take steps to get out of Laodicea? Yeah, well, that's the you know three fifteen was what brought me to Christ. You're talking about lukewarmness. You got to make a choice. Can you, you know, you could use sports analogies or what have you. I'm going to give you a food analogy. All right. Okay. <laughs> I'm you, with you. you. You have a plate. You pick your favorite, your entree. Right, let's go for me, porterhouse. Yeah. So I have my porterhouse You're in my plate. You're buying next time. Yes, sir. I will. <laughs> most certainly. And then you have the side things, and they really don't matter because when you have the porterhouse. The it's side, the porterhouse. It's the porterhouse. See, if your porterhouse is not Jesus, mm. you're confused. Mm. And, and and so what happens is Jesus becomes the porterhouse. I'm so sorry. To <laughs> but what he is, he becomes the object of affection. Mm-hmm. He becomes the thing that glows within you. Yes, you have to eat the other things because he brings them to you. Mm-hmm. But the object of your affection is there. Mm-hmm. When you have multiple objects of affection, let me tell you, how does that work in any relationship you're in? It doesn't. Not mm. so good. Yeah. It doesn't, right? Yep. Marriage, girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever relationship you're in, you're de- even with friends. Mm. Friends want to know that I'm your, you know, what they call bestie, mm. you know, you're the best friend, right? We have this thing in us, a couple things we have in us. Number one, everyone on the planet is built for worship. Everyone worships mm. something. The question is, what is it? Right. That's it. That's the only question. Right. I'll give you some formal, more formal language, is it Jesus or is it an idol? Mm. Anything that's not Jesus is an idol, Mm. according to the Bible. Mm. The second thing we're all all built for is we have this natural jealousy. Can't, don't, it can be destructive, but it's actually Mm. quite healthy Mm. when done properly. Like the jealousy that a husband has for his wife. I'm not talking paranoia, but the, the strong desire to be and for her and him to be one with each other mm. and to say, you're my favorite. And God speaks of his jealousy for us throughout he's a jealous, the Psalms. He's a jealous lover. In the proper mm-hmm. sense. He's a jealous lover in the proper sense because his proper sense is this. When he tells us something, it's good for us always. It's mm. not because he needs it or mm. um, he's, he's worried about something. It's because he knows what's best for us. Mm. So we come to a point in our life where... You know, we're going to be honest. Can we really do this ourselves? Mm, mm. And, and and when you're hot for God, you've come to that point of, you can use the word sweet surrender, mm. and you've said to yourself, if not but for God, mm. if not but for Jesus Christ, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I don't even want to think where I'm at, I'm mm. going to be at, or where I'm at right now. Mm. You know, I, and I haven't even discussed heaven yet, because really some of you can't see heaven. You know, you can't even comprehend that. You're so in, enmeshed in the morass of right now. Mm. And some of you are comfortable. But you got to wonder, at 2 a.m. when you're looking in the mirror, do you like what you see? Mm. Do you like what you see? And the beauty of Christ is this. Even when we don't like what we see, 
He says, I like what I see, mm. and I'll fix it. Trust me. Come to me who are heavy laden. Mm. Amen. You know, as you were speaking, uh, proclaiming, if you will, that we will worship, the only question is who or what. Just a short little story. When I was in college, perhaps a sophomore living in Cleveland, Ohio, working at a law firm, and you know, I was cool, a Weston Heard law firm, top of the terminal tower, and my parents were in Florida, and I was living a, a moral life. I'd given my life to Jesus, but I still liked rock and roll, okay? You know, Led Zeppelin sticks, Rush, Journey, Foreigner. I see it rolls off my tongue better than Scripture. There's a problem right there, but it just tells you, you know, <laughs> In fact, you know, on a dark desert highway, cool wind in my hair. I mean, the, the lyrics come right out of me. And what does that say? You know, it's right there for me. Anyways, uh, my brother Luke was back with me as my parents' summer vacation or Florida, and uh, Monsters of Rock was going on. Akron Rubber Bowl, you had the Scorpions, and Van Halen was going to be there. And I was really interested because this guy, Sammy Hagar, was going to be the new front man. And many of you listeners maybe have no idea who I'm speaking of, but I was all about this. I love guitar, I love music. We ended up getting into the stadium late at night, late toward the last act, which is around Van Halen. And somewhere in the midst of that, again, I've got a Christian heart, and I'm not into the big sin, if you will, at that point, obviously working out other things. But, you know, and it occurred to me in the midst of the most unlikely place, this Akron Rubber Bowl, with the front stage, everybody facing, that this was a context of religion. This was a context of worship. It occurred to me that these folks, just like those of us in the Catholic Church, have their gestures that they're facing a focal point, that there's a moral creed, it's the lyrics, the things that guide them and tell them what they need to do. There's the God, they, they, you know, they're kind of air-guitaring, or the gods are those folks up there. That, you know, they've got their icons you know, in the rooms or their notebooks, whatever pictures, posters of these folks, they're, you know, whatever ways they, they show that affection for that God. A God is somebody you want to be like, if you will, that you admire so much, you, if, if you want to be like them. But when I thought about their, if you will, creed, the lyrics... I wondered the question as we were leaving that night. They were fashioned for God and Jesus Christ, but will they live their, if you will, rock religion, their rock worship, will they live their creed better than I live mine? Hmm. Will they live theirs better than I live mine? Not even judging them, knowing where those paths lead, coming from a big family and culture, let's face it, but to, to make your point, what is our equivalent of that Akron rubber bowl? What is that realm that even if we go to church, but in the realm of our affections, we're worshiping. We think about it much more than we do God and that relationship with God at our heart that maybe he hasn't captured our heart in the way that a lover does when you're first, not just dating, because we know that's a beautiful phase, but it deepens as you know your wife, your spouse, or whatever. Do we have that kind of affection for our God? I want to ask you the question, is that possible? Is it possible to have that kind of affection? What is it? Help us understand that. How do you get there? I think you get there. Paul said this in, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Mm. And what it is is you come to a point in your life where you say, Okay, God, I'm going to throw myself to you. Mm. I'm all in. I have to be all in. Mm. A lot of people say, I, you know, I, I, I tried Christianity. I hear this occasionally. <laughs> I tried Christianity. <laughs> And then, you know, you think about Yoda and Star Wars. There's no trying. <laughs> right. Either you're no in, trying you. <laughs> you're in or you're the out. Voice must and <laughs> you do that too well. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> it's that was scary. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and, and you're, yes, there's this intellectual thing where your thought processes are changing. But you come to a point where you say, I'm going to 
trust you. And there is a rationale. I mean, this is not a, a mindless faith. We, we understand some things. We understand some logic. But deep within your heart, you, you, you make this commitment. You make this commitment to God. And, you, you, and see, Sunday becomes a celebration, mm. and you become a celebrant. But you run with that Monday through Saturday. Mm. And so your thinking on Monday through Saturday is being shaped so actually, when you come into Sunday, not only are you prepared to receive, you're prepared to share. And so it, it does, and it comes down to how do you form, make your decisions? Where does your enthusiasm come from? Where, who do you trust? Who do you trust for your life? Who do you trust for your children's life? Who do you trust for tomorrow? Is it your bank account? Is it the job or the professional? How do you value success in your children? Is it their character? Or is it their pedigree, per se, and their college choice? And these things start shaping, and you, you submit these things to God. And as you make these decisions, some big, some small, your passion and fire grows for him. Yes, there are all the spiritual disciplines. But then you start looking. You know, you're sitting in church, and frankly, you can zone out. You know, I, I, I was caught zoning out in church. A pastor I, zones yeah, out? Come I was, on. I was, <laughs> confession. I was worried about something. And the worship leader stopped worship and said, hey, focus. <laughs> Basically, I'm giving you the short version. And I'm like, you know, I really need to focus. I got to stop worrying about mm. my sermon. I got to stop mm. worrying about what's happening at children's church. I got to stop worrying the fact that I don't, I, you know, my kids may be goofing around. <laughs> you know, and I started to worship it grabbed my attention. So I guess maybe if we're going to call a first step, allow Jesus to grab your attention. Mm. Let's start there. Let's mm. start small. Let him grab your attention. Do that this Sunday. Try to, you know, do it right now. But if you have to wait till Sunday, that's great. So when you're going through communion, allow Jesus to grab your attention. When you're hearing um, the, the, the homily, when you go every part of the process, smell it taste it, allow Jesus to grab you. I am so with you on that. And Steph, I don't know if this came to mind for you. You're nodding. I, go with it. The presentation? I'm not sure if that's, okay. but you go with what's in your <laughs> mind. But I it was definitely resonating in a certain way. Go ahead. What were you thinking? And then you can take it back if you want. As you were speaking, Pastor Bo, today in the Catholic Church, we celebrate the Feast of the Presentation. And so um, focusing on the story from Scripture where Mary and Joseph as faithful Jewish people come to the temple to present Christ back, you know, their son, Jesus, back to God and have their simple offering of two turtle doves, a sign of poverty, you know, and they brought all that they got. So you're going to get a little more than what, uh, where my mind went, which I just, I love that image because it's, it's such a challenge for us every day. You know, we may not like what we have to bring to the Lord, but he still wants us to bring what we have. Um, and I, I just, the image that I had as you were talking was how Simeon faithfully came every day of his life because he knew the Lord was going to be faithful to his promise of seeing the Messiah. And so what does he do? He takes Jesus, so it's a little opposite, into his arms. He embraces him. But when you said catches our attention, you know, who isn't caught with a little baby, right? Mm -hmm. There's so many other things that could be going around, and you see a baby, 
And in this case, God made man humbling himself in the form of a child and just to focus on that and to let everything else dissipate around us and just that encounter, the embrace you know, which works both ways, right? You know, yes. and just that beautiful, beautiful image um, of being lost in that worship. What struck me was the simple, real presence to really be present and as God wants to be present to us. And what came to mind, Steph, was a few days ago, and we do this periodically, um, we were ready to pray for before supper. And uh, in our home, it, it can sometimes, uh, prayer can devolve to Father's only spirit, and there's distractions. Dominic's goofing around, and Grace is doing something annoying, and Catherine's doing something. I mean, everyone, you know, anyone at any time could be that person. It's distracting. But we plow through it, and we're just kind of, you know, moving through the prayer, but without a focus, without a presence. We're, we're comp- there's other things competing. So we said, okay, guys, we got to get back to setting everything aside. So until you're ready, we're not going to begin praying because God wants to make himself present to us, and we're allowing other things to distract us. Our affections are compromised. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in the 20th century, um, appearances, apparitions of Mary, etc., the thing that she said more often than anything else is pray from the heart. Pray from the heart. And it was interesting that she was saying it's better to pray one simple prayer from the heart than multiply many times over. And I think it's the same idea, not only with God at the heart of that, but that enables us to what? Be present to one another. Are we really with people when we're with them? Are we absorbing what they're saying? Are we attuned to their hearts and their affections? And it seems Satan would want to attack real presence. Have the device. I mean, how many people have come to peacefully coexist with a friend next to them on their device? I mean, total compromised presence. That's how they have dates now. My, yeah. my, my, my daughters laugh because we watch these kids on date. And they're both playing video games on their phone or they're texting. I don't know who. Right. Sometimes each other. Yeah, well, how, <laughs> no, that's absurd, folks. You know? Yes, it but is. It, happens. it does. Yeah, yeah. Let me, let me, you said something that's interesting about distractions. And I'm going to share this. When Simeon and Anna mm-hmm. saw Jesus, they were in the temple. Now, the temple was a, a very holy place. But we also know it was a place of deep-seated corruption. Mm. Yeah. I am reminded, really, I'm going to, again, speak very plainly. On, at the Last Supper, communion, where we get Holy Communion, where Jesus pronounced this is something we should do in remembrance of him. Who was on that table? Judas. Mm. The profane was next to the divine. Mm. They shared the same bowl. So they were at least arm's length apart, if not closer. We have to learn to live Mm. in the holy, in the sanctity of Christ, but walk through the profane. Mm. And so um, that's just a discipline that God will help us through. We are never going to have it perfect around us. There's always going to be a distraction. And we have to learn some disciplines, some practical things, like turn off your cell phone, put it in airplane mode. <laughs> but to not get dissuaded and discouraged, if we are seeking God, yet there's things around us that's trying to distract mm. us. It's just part of the, the life we right. live. That's a good reminder. Very good reminder. So I, I said to you, um, as we talked about this program on this night, 
we want to speak to hearts tonight and invite them to more fully know Jesus, that he desires them for himself all the more deeply, uh, and that, he w- that it's possible to have this kind of true relationship with Jesus, a kind of affection with our God, mm-hmm. um, as with a spouse, as with somebody very dear to you. And we've talked about being on fire kind of not just an emotion. We talked about that last week with Father Dave Nuss, that it's, God gives us emotions, but it's not about the emotions. And we know even the enemy gets in there. Screwtape Letters speaks of this. Hey, it doesn't matter if they're going to church as long as it. Make it about them. Make it about their piety. Make it about, you know, their emotions so that when they hang it on that and the emotions are gone, where is God? And that's uh, unfortunately a problem today. Um, so alive in the Holy Spirit, on fire. I'm going to ask you to share with us a little bit about um, life in the Spirit and this call that God has a, gives us to have a life in the Spirit that clearly is biblical. It's in even our Catholic tradition. We understand uh, about this. Explain to us what that is. You don't come from a background in your earliest years. of You weren't born a saint. You had the conversion, a deeper con- uh, encounter with Christ. He, if you will, ongoing journey, but conquered you. You're a pastor. And your particular, what oh, strikes me as um, your church, you're talking about one of the, we'll call it a discipleship program, nine months Every week for nine months, one of the, uh, I hate to use word program, movements, experiences is there to share with our listeners, hey, folks, this is people who are in it to win it. That's what it takes. It's not just a penciled-in sideshow. This is the porterhouse steak. This is the main thing, and you, and you experience why you do it, because your life is transformed, your wife is transformed, your, your relationships, marriage. Tell us about life in the spirit. Life in the Spirit for me really comes down to, I don't want to get, again, too religious and confused, but for those who are, Galatians 2.20, where I am crucified in Christ and I no longer live. I can't live for me. Let me say it more simply. I I have to attack my selfishness. Mm -hmm. So when I'm arguing with my wife, and we do argue, and I'm looking at her, I have a choice. Is she going to be my friend, lover, wife? Or is she going to be my enemy? Mm. And for me, real practically, I have to say to myself, I have to, I have to put my selfish desires in check. James tells us very clearly where does all this consternation comes from. It's our selfish desires run amok. The Holy Spirit is the only thing that keeps me from running amok. So this is very practical, folks. Yes, I can talk to you about uh, miracles that I've seen, that I've experienced. I have experienced a miracle. I, I can tell you about it. But I will tell you the miracle of every day of me trying to conform myself to Christ in a sense, trying not to be selfish. Sometimes I fail. Thank you, Jesus, for giving me the 71st chance again. Well, I'm probably in the three digits. <laughs> My wife will basically say four. I get a chance to do it right. Phone is ringing. <laughs> yes. But that, to me, is the most powerful miracle I experience almost on a daily basis, putting myself in check. And you know I'm happier for it. Let me just talk to you about practicality. I am happier for it. My, I don't kowtow to my wife. She doesn't run the show. There's nothing like that. I am a guy. Okay? I played rugby. I play basketball. I like shooting guns. You know, I like to eat. I mean, I'm a guy. <laughs> but when I can put my selfish desires in check and have command over them, hmm. Bible talks about 2 Corinthians uh, 10, 4, and 5, capturing every thought. Mm. You know, I love the idea that I can 
I can capture every thought. And I can't do it myself. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Now, again, there's so many other wonderful things with the Holy Spirit. How about when I'm worried? The guy from Huntington Bank said inflation is coming back in five years, right? You may have seen the article. Freaked me out at first. Inflation, you know, I'm 50, almost 52, so I remember inflation. I was a kid, and then we, we experienced it. And panic started coming on me. Oh, what did I have to do to fight the inflation? It's coming back. No, Holy Spirit, he comforted me. Hmm. He comforted me. Are you worried about your job loss? You need the Holy Spirit. Are you worried about tomorrow? Are you worried about that surgery? Are you worried about your kids? We have so many things to worry about. It is a miracle every day that the Holy Spirit comforts us. I look at you two, six kids, six kids. You know, that's a, you got tender spots. You got a lot of them. Mm. If, it isn't, if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit, you two would be crazy. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm making her Joseph. crazy. Yeah, <laughs> she's doing well. Yeah. And, and she, she, she has even an extra burden because she has you <laughs> two. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> now, let me ask you. So we, we know the teaching, the Holy Spirit uh, is alive and present, animates us, interacts with us. We are temples of the Holy Spirit. Not the missing piece, but the missing piece is our cooperation and let's just say a life of prayer, not just moments of prayer, but a life of prayer. I'm asking the personal question. You can duck it if you want, but what is your prayer life like? Yeah, my prayer life, uh, when I wake up, if I'm doing, uh, let me give you the ideal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On a good day. <laughs> On a great your wife day. is listening, by the way. <laughs> yes. So your congregation. <laughs> Um, I wake up with Matthew six thirty three in my head. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Mm-hmm. And I try very desperately to read, and then and then and then I begin to. If I'm walking, I have to quiet my body. So so I'm not a person who can kneel. I can kneel a long time because I had good Catholic training, and my knees are at a ninety degree yeah. angle. Yeah. I'm not a Protestant in that way, <laughs> but for me, I I, I got to get on the street with my my shoes and start walking. And when I start walking, my mind, I start thinking about Jesus. I do start dreaming. I do daydream sometimes. He brings me back. Sometimes he lets me daydream, you know, and I'm just, mm-hmm. my mind is just floating around. And I start, I start looking at my life, but I also try to be thankful. Gratitude is huge, and we mm-hmm. see that in, our, in the Lord's Prayer, to just thank him, you know, without an agenda, just say thank you, thank you. And then, of course, I, a lot of intercession. Um, for myriad of things. And uh, so I try to do that. And I try to pray. I really believe in continuous prayer. So if you're not, if you don't have a discipline of prayer, let me give you something very practical. We'll go real slow, okay? Five minutes. The Our Father, whatever, if you want some structure, mm-hmm. five minutes. That's it. Five in the morning, five at lunchtime, five in the evening. Build on that. If you can't, if you're not, Someone who's not praying right now, five minutes. That's a total of 15 minutes during the day. And then what I think what you're going to find is you're going to want 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to want, it's going to grow. Great advice. But give God five. Five in the morning, five at lunchtime, five at night. Just start there. I mean, I'm going real. If you can do 30, hey, do 30. Don't say, hey, Pastor only said do five. <laughs> Go with 30. <laughs> but if you've never, if you're not praying and you find you're absent in that five, 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 five. Just start there. Mm-hmm. But um, so I try to uh, engage God often, uh, especially if I see myself going a little sideways. But even before that, I try to say thank you. So definitely in the morning for me, but walking is a biggie. I, I need to walk. So if I'm not walking, 
I'm telling a big secret on myself. Mm. If I'm not walking or doing some sort of exercise, then I'm not praying as much mm. as I should mm. be. Mm. That's great. Yeah. Now, we know that everything you just spoke of, uh, this this uh, intimacy with God, this uh, affection, his jealousy for his love for us, a prayer. And uh, let's face it, uh, there's a habit of prayer that requires in the beginning. You're not going to feel it. It's not going to be like a movie or an exciting video that somebody sent you an email. That yeah. you know, It's going to be a decision to put the flag down, almost like you know Jesus beckoning Peter to get out of the boat and walk. He's got to overcome every logical reservation in his mind, and he's got to take the step based upon the promise that if he gets out of that boat, the analogy, our comfort, our own world, God's going to sustain him and something great's going to happen there. Yeah. My point is, God calls us to do this in community, and he gives us brothers and sisters in contexts, culture, environment, um, to reinforce this, occasions of accountability. So I want to ask you the question with limited time here. I want to just uh, finish the statement. Um, my church will be successful if... <laughs> My church will be successful if my every member and attender is living the first commandment to love the Lord with all their heart, all their soul, and all their strength, and that they're not afraid to tell somebody about it. Mm-hmm. And 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 I will count that as success. It's not you know anything else. Mm-hmm. And um, you know one of the beautiful things about it is this, if you're doing that Monday through Saturday, Sunday becomes a lot more meaningful. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yes, we, we want to see people on Sunday and have a wonderful celebration, but I'm much more interested about Monday through Saturday, especially Friday night, mm-hmm. Saturday mm-hmm. night. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, so that's how, that's how we, we, we measure success. We measure success based on, a de- and it's hard to measure, right? I'm mm-hmm. not going right. to lie to you, but the devotion to our God. And if I know, listen, if you're, li- if you're living the first commandment, the second commandment is a byproduct. You're going to love your neighbor. Mm-hmm. Right. Everything else will follow. follow. And if you're loving your neighbor, mm-hmm. I mean, really loving it, you're, you're not just putting on a show, but it's something that your motivations, your intent is in that mindset. Even if you're struggling, you don't have to be perfect. God's not looking for perfection, like 100% on the grade. He's looking for maturity. He's looking for the process of moving towards him. We mm-hmm. call that process sanctification. Beautiful. Becoming more like the working man's definition, becoming more like Jesus. Amen. If you're in that if you're on that path, even if you're taking baby steps, you're good. You're fine. Don't worry. You're gonna get there. Let me ask you a question even more specifically. If I plucked the average person uh, in your congregation, whatever term you would use from mm-hmm. your church, yeah. who's been there for a while, and asked them the question, are you I don't want the term be holier than you were when you first got here, the average guy, how would they respond to that question? I hope yes. That, right. uh, well, what do you think? I know I'm putting you on the spot. No, I, Cause, I, yeah, I, and I'm saying this because I know this is your intent, yes. that, that you, you, you guys talk about a context of growth in holiness, and you build into your church the means to grow intentionally in that way. So I'm tapping what I already know, but I want to hear from you. We have a... I give you some percentages. Eighty percent of the people in our church are in the discipleship. That's outside of Praise Sunday. Praise God. And eighty percent. And I think I think it's between eighty and eighty-three percent are serving or wow. doing some sort of service. This is the percentage in our church. We're a small church, but we have a high percentage. So based on that, I would have to say to you, almost everyone would say, "I have grown. I have mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean we're perfect. Sure. No, right. it actually right. sometimes shows us our imperfections right. to a greater extent, where we used to 
where we didn't think we were sinning, we realized, wow, I was selfish in that category. I need to, God, please come and help me. And God's grace is so beautiful. It's not a convicting grace. There's no, uh, it's a convicting grace. It's not a condemnation. And conviction means, now I'm getting a little more theology, it means simply I see that I have an issue. I bring that to God. He gives me new thinking. It's called repentance, mm. turning and moving towards the truth. Amen. Regarding a behavior, but really, I work on more thought processes than behaviors. Right. And that's one thing I want to share with everyone really quick, is God is not a taskmaster. He's not this quality assurance checker at the end of the production <laughs> line. He's there with you. He's helping you. He sent his church. He sent his Bible. And most importantly, he sent the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. He did not abandon us. He did not abandon us on this planet. We're not, we're not in this by ourselves. He is with us to help us get to him. How generous is that? Right. Amen. Um, so you said a high percentage, 80% uh, are into some kind of discipleship context. Yes. We use that word in the Catholic faith. It's, it's gaining a lot more traction and familiarity. But I don't think we really know what that means. Paint a picture of what it means for you when you are speak, what images are going through your mind to tell us what is happening in that discipleship context for those members in your church? They're studying scripture, but what they're doing is this. They're, they're looking at their values and their thoughts and they're asking themselves, where do these things come from? Mm. And then they're backing up again and they're saying this, who do I really worship? When, when, when I have financial pressure, am I dreaming about the lottery or am I going to Jesus? Mm. Am I dreaming about the check, or am I going to Jesus? It gets down to that. When I am sick, do, am I trusting the doctor? Yeah, you trust the doctor, but it better be a small T. Mm-hmm. The big mm-hmm. T's reserve, all capitalized, is for Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so that, to me, when you're asking those type of questions, I'm not worried about your behaviors. The behaviors will iron themselves out. You worship Jesus, and you get your mind right, renewed, your behaviors mm-hmm. will come through. Unfortunately, too many of us are looking the backwards. We're looking at the behaviors and trying to get that right. You mm-hmm. can't get that right until you worship and, and you remove idolatry, meaning any other things that's, that's trying to draw, draw your attention, mm-hmm. and then your mind begins to change. You start thinking differently. Mm-hmm. And then the behaviors will come. Amen. Will come. Amen. As I asked you, the success of your church, uh, you indicated, of course, the first commandment uh, and their ability to, if you will, be instruments of God to others, to evangelize others, to bring that news, the good news to others. Yes. First Peter 3.15, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give reason for the hope you have. Um, if I were to uh, be in your congregation and just ask the average person, what is your reason for hope? You think the average person would be able to, to share readily, be able to uh, evangelize in a personal way? And what would that, in your mind, as you form them to do that, what, what's contained in that sharing a reason for one's hope? The average person in my church, if you asked them in, in our church, they would answer you. And they would go down to my five-year-old. Mm-hmm. However, this is what we're working on. If you didn't ask, they probably wouldn't say anything to you. Mm. Because, but we're, we're working on that as a church. And if you asked outside the building, the percentage would fall. Some would be shy. Some would speak boldly. Um, the, God did not give us a spirit of timidity and fear, mm-hmm. but he gave us a spirit of the children, of mm-hmm. Abba Father. 
And so our church, that's one of the things we're working on. Starting in 2015, it's rolling into 2016. Beautiful. To push out the spirit of timidity and fear. So I'm not here to try to blow smoke up your skirt and say, hey, we got it all together. We do not. Mm -hmm. I want to say something really quick Mm -hmm. about the, because the Catholic Church has taken some some tough hits. And some people are uh, afraid. There are some things that many Protestants are turning to some of the things that the Catholics have been talking about Mm -hmm. for about 1,800 years. Mm Uh, things about community. And you got that right. That's one of your strengths. That's one of the things, the flavors that you've brought to the body of Christ, the greater body of Christ. I was listening to a show, yes, Protestantism has only been around for 500 years. The expression that I follow, uh, Pentecostalism, charismatic, has Mm -hmm. been only around, you know, less than about 100 years, 102 years, something of this nature. And so uh, there's a flavor we bring, but it's not the complete picture. Mm -hmm. And so our Catholic and Orthodox brothers, um, you have to be who God has called you to be. It's essential because that flavoring, that portion, uh, use an army example, the area that you cover, if you do not do it well, we're all in trouble. And so if, if I can say anything, and, and you, you people are probably saying, why is this Protestant <laughs> pro- Pentecostal pastor yeah. on Catholic radio? I'm here to encourage you to be better Catholics. Mm. Bring it, Which know. is, as uh, Pope Benedict beautifully yes. il, you know, illustrated in his Jesus of Nazareth trilogy. So here's a brilliant man, I think one of the most brilliant men alive. Uh, and the heart, uh, the message of this trilogy, Jesus of Nazareth trilogy, reflecting on scriptures, the heart of ritual and religion is relationship. It's Amen. relationship with Jesus. And uh, we're so blessed to have had you with us tonight. You're a good brother. We're prayerfully Absolutely. talking about a Thank number of so exciting much. things uh, of working together to really claim this area for Christ and be occasions of support, encouragement. Uh, so blessed to have all of you folks with us tonight. Uh, let's just close in a word of prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. We give our heart to you, Jesus. We give our minds, our lives to you. Claim us all the more. So much that it overflows to the world around us. We thank you, Jesus. In your holy name, through Christ our Lord. Amen. 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 God bless y'all.